Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Awesome. All right, we're going to get uh, into it this morning. I really felt... um uh, when uh, Tone asked me to come and share, I really felt like God had been laying a word on my heart for three or four weeks leading up to it. And uh, and so I knew straight away what I needed to do and just kind of went there and uh, began to sort of re-prepare. It's kind of the framework of a message I've preached before, but maybe in a little bit of a different context. And uh, God just began to, I'm not one of those preachers who believes that, oh, I'm here to preach at you. <laughs> I'm here to preach at me and you get to watch. <laughs> Um, I feel like God often just quickens things to my heart and my spirit that are the things that I'm walking through. It's the tools and the, and the I guess, the keys that I need to move forward in my, in my journey with God. And, uh, and uh, I kind of feel like maybe I'm not so weird that I'm the only person in the world who's going through this. And so if God's speaking to me about it, it's possible that this could be helpful and useful to other people as well. Um, and so I guess I want to share with you a bit of my personal revelation just in the last season of what God has been doing in myself and in my family and just some of the keys that He's given me, I guess, to have a right perspective on the season that God has been taking me through. And I hope that it's a blessing to you. I believe that the Word of God should be something that's practical. It should be something that we can take from a Sunday and go, yeah, that was a great message, but it has significance for me on Monday morning. It's something that I can use to negotiate my day-to-day it's not just a bunch of Christian cliches strung together that don't really mean much, but there's actually something in there that I can take away and use it to do life better. I believe that God is interested in, in the details. God is interested in the nuts and bolts of your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as much as He's interested in your weekends. And so uh, I really pray that this message this morning helps you with that. Um, it's a broad-reaching topic. I'm going to speak this morning on the topic of change. And when you say change, you watch half the room clench up. <laughs> change. Uh, there's something about human nature. There's something about who we are that seems to be predominantly resistant to change. You get, um, you get these, these happy, clappy people who will tell you that they love, I love change. Change is wonderful. I just love change. Change is so exciting. And they love change at a certain level. <laughs> But there's an inner level that when you start to change the comfort zone issues that are right in close to who I am, I don't think there's anybody that actually likes change in that spot. I think all of us get nervous. We get tense. What do you, what do you, when I was a kid, I was very careful about what I prayed because I had this perception that if I uh, didn't pray right or, or left things open-ended for God, He would definitely send me to Africa to be a missionary because that's the last place in the world that I wanted to go. Um, and so there's this, this picture of God that he, what He actually wants for you is, is the one thing that you hate. <laughs> um, you know, God's going to make me marry an ugly girl or, you know what I mean? We have this perception of God that He wants you to struggle and suffer. And if I, if I surrender to God, if I, if I let God have His way in my life, what if I don't like what He does? And what if, what if it's no good? And, and, and we have this perception that, that God is like that. I'm here to tell you that He's not like that. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that He's not like that at all. But I'm also here to tell you that uh, God is a God who loves change. I think He loves change 
because he understands what change does to us. We heard a phenomenal message a couple of weeks ago from Pastor Andre Olivier, and he spoke about uh, adversity being your friend and comfort being your enemy. Understand that change takes you out of your comfort zone. We get established, we get, think back to your school. When, when you were at school, you were, if you went to a primary school that was separate to a high school, you, you got to grade seven and you were the big kids in the school. You've been waiting your whole schooling life to be the big kids in school. And you're like, check it out, we're grade sevens, we're running the show now. And then five minutes later, you're in year eight and you're at the bottom of the food chain again change. Just when you get comfortable with being the big kids in the school, it changes. Uh, God is the kind of God that understands that if we get into a comfort zone, if we get into a rut, if we get into a place where everything is comfortable and everything is measurable and everything is quantifiable, you don't need faith for that place. As a matter of fact, you don't even need God for that place. You can you can exist and go through the motions and do what you do and be totally disconnected from what God is trying to do just because you've been consumed with a method. You've become consumed with a comfort zone. You know how to do everything. Understand, these musicians have been practicing for years. They can get up here and they can play with their eyes closed. They don't need uh, to practice to a large degree because they know the basics and the fundamentals. But the difference between a good musician and a great musician is someone who continues to push themselves and stretch themselves and do things that they couldn't do and fail at things and pick themselves up and get better and push themselves to do stuff they shouldn't be able to do and listen to other people who are bigger than them and cause themselves to be pulled along and pushed along. That's what happens when change gets involved. And God is interested in change. The Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. The Bible says that He sings songs over you. It says, sing a new song to the Lord. It doesn't say, and I love the old hymns too. Let's not get excited. I love Amazing Grace too. It's a wonderful song. But the reality is the Bible says, sing a new song. God is a, a God who loves change. He loves freshness. He loves what change does, and it's because he understands that, that complacency and comfort are the enemy of everything he wants to do in your life. Here's my comfort zone, and here's God's plan. They barely overlap, if at all. I, I grew up a pastor's kid. I've been in church longer than just about anybody you know. I was in church nine months before I was born. I grew up sleeping on the front pew. I was at band rehearsals. I was in every meeting that was possible to be in. My parents were at. Um, I was also the worst behaved child in Sunday school. And if there's anybody here who was my Sunday school teacher back in the day, I apologize profusely for my behavior. <laughs> but uh, I say that to say there's hope. God is the God of the second chance. Um, but uh, I've done a lot of church, done a real lot of church, and I don't even know where I was going with that point because I just got lost. But anyway, uh, I've been in church a really long time, and one thing I know is that uh, uh, 
God is interested in the new people that are coming in. God is interested in us reaching another generation. You know, there's a generation of believer that um, that are still not existent. That are outside our doors. The greatest leaders that our church has ever seen. Um, some of them aren't even saved yet. You know, they don't even know Jesus. And, and those people are coming in. And if we're if we're going to persist with, you know, oh, but this is what we've always done, and this is what we've always known, and this is the language we've always spoken. They're going to walk in the door, and we're going to be thee, thou, thy. And they're going to be, what the heck are you talking about? We need to discover a new language. It's, it's the same message. The message doesn't change. But the method of delivery changes, and we need to be flexible. Uh, my definition of, of religion is to do something without understanding why you're doing it. To lose sight of the reason why we initiated this thing. You know, a lot of the old hymns were actually written around pub songs. Because there was a generation of leadership that was willing to push the envelope and go out and say, well, that's the language that they're speaking out there. So perhaps that's the language we need to speak in here. It'll be familiar to them and, and, and we can draw them in. Having done all that, we might win one. It's very biblical. So I want to preach this morning on the topic of change. Wow, I need water. Do you want water, Paul? It's good this morning. It's good water. Excellent. I want to preach to you. Out of a story that we've probably all heard or seen the movie. How many of you have seen the Big Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston? Only a, what a great movie, eh? It's one of the classics. Um, now I want to preach to you about the story uh, where the children of Israel come out of Egypt. Now, a little bit of background. 430 years before, there was a man called Joseph. And we know the story of Joseph. He uh, had a dream from God was sold into slavery, reinstated to a position, back in jail, reinstated to the dream, became the, the second in command in the whole nation. And this incredible God moment where he, he had this dream and the dream became fulfilled and it was a God dream and his family bowed down and he was able to bring restoration, brought the family in, brought him into a place of prosperity, brought him into a place of blessing. It was the purpose and the plan of God. Yeah? 430 years go by and those same people are now in slavery. So are they in slavery because they're out of the will of God? Went really quiet, didn't it? No. God had a purpose and a plan. And if I could dispel, I guess, one myth right at the outset, is that the Western church is really good at the gospel of self. We're really good at telling you that God has a plan for you and God has a plan for your life, and it's true. But here's the news. God has a plan, full stop. You're a part of it, but you are not the plan. So sometimes, sometimes God's plan requires you to sacrifice for the bigger picture. Sometimes God's plan is not always comfortable for you because there's something bigger going on. Anyway, we're going to get stuck in. Are you ready? We're going to read from Exodus chapter 14. Ah. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, order the Israelites to turn back and camp by some place uh, by the sea. I can't be bothered with those words, to be honest. Um, <laughs> then, <laughs> oh, spent years pronouncing these weird words. I'm just like, oh, who can be bothered? Uh, then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They, trap, they are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. I'll put that down for a minute. 
I love that they do as they're told. One of the biggest elements to the purpose of God for your life, and if you take nothing else away from this morning, do as you're told. If Christians did as they were told, it would be amazing. But the point, the first point about change, and it's really clearly outlined here, and I just kind of touched on it, is change is not just about you. Change is not just about you. So when God puts a burden on a church or on a family or on your heart or in your business or in your workplace, He begins to push you that it's time for change. Understand that change might not just be about you. It says quite clearly here that God doesn't mention the Israelites and His purpose for them at all. He says, uh, I plan that Pharaoh will chase after you with his whole army. And the purpose is that I can display my glory and, uh, and the Egyptians will get to know that I'm the Lord. There's nothing there about this is my plan for your life. You know, you're going to have great destiny and purpose in this moment. Literally, God is saying, right, just hold on for a minute. I've got to do something over here. This is about the Egyptians. This is about my glory. This is about the bigger picture. Understand, it's real easy to get consumed with how this change affects me. And I think the way that we approach change from the right mindset is if we understand that change is bigger than just me. Uh, We need to become uh, a little more visionary when we're talking about change. And rather than thinking about how does this affect my life, why don't we look forward and think about how does this affect the generations if I make this decision? How does this affect the church that we're building in the future? How does this affect my business or my family? I think the divorce rate would be lower if mom and dad stopped for a minute and thought about how does this affect the generations? How does this affect the kids and the grandkids? What does this look like in 20 years' time? Is it possible that a little bit of hard work now? Yeah. Change. Change is not just about you. What about, what about this? We're talking 430 years of slavery, and you're an 85-year-old man, and Moses says, come on, fellas, we're going out to the desert. We're getting out of slavery, and you're 85. You're going, I've been in slavery my whole life, buddy. I've got about five minutes left. I reckon I'm just going to chill here. <laughs> I understand these, these are slaves. They've been working hard. The life expectancy, I think, I, I did the historical check, and the life expectancy was about 65 years tops. So you're at the upper end of that. You're beat up. You're worn out. You've seen it, done it, bought the T-shirt. And some little dude comes along and says, all right, we're going. And you look him in the eye and say, off you go. (laughs) Too hard. Too hard. I've been in church for 50 years. Too hard. Let the young ones do it. Really? No, no, they, they had a vision to see this was about a nation coming out of slavery and, and the 85-year-old granddad grabbed his little grandbaby by the hand and walked him out. 
knowing that I would probably never see the promised land. I might never get to inhabit the place that we're headed for. I might not get to see in the flesh the thing that God is doing. But you better believe I'm going to take steps towards taking a generation to the purpose and the will and the plan of God. That's the kind of person, the visionary person that embraces and understands change. Change is not just about one generation. It's not just about the young people. It's about us rising with one voice as an army and stepping into the purpose and the plan of God together and saying, you know what? I don't care if I've done this before. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care if I'm worn out. I don't care what it costs me. Change is my friend. Change is going to take me. God initiated change is going to take me to the purpose of God for my life. Sorry, I'm getting a bit excited. We'll keep reading. When the word reached the king of Egypt, the Israelites had fled. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him, with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened his heart, the heart of Pharaoh and the king of Egypt, and he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. Incredible little passage of Scripture there. And the second thing, the first thing is obviously to understand and have a perspective on change. Change is not always just about you. In saying that, though, there's no greater blessing for me as someone who's been in church longer than just about anybody. Still to this day, there's no greater blessing than watching somebody get hold of Jesus for the first time. And that's worth getting out of my comfort zone. That's worth leaving behind what I've always known. That's worth doing something different to stand in church and watch somebody get a hold of Jesus for the first time or, or watch somebody get a fresh touch or watch somebody get a miracle that they've been crying out for. It's worth it. If their breakthrough is waiting on the other side of my obedience, then it's worth it. If, if their breakthrough is reliant on me getting outside, if, if my change helps them, it's worth it. So the first point is change is not always about you. The second point, and I want to prepare you, is that when you make a decision to embrace change, the devil's not going to set up a cheer squad and tell you how great you're doing. Expect opposition. Uh, it comes in a number of ways. In this story, we read, um, and I, I find it funny, I said in the first service, he took with him 600 of Egypt's uh, best chariots along with the rest. Seems a little bit of a redundant statement. Why didn't he just say he took all of the chariots? He took the best ones and he took the rest. Uh, okay, sure. Now, I'm going to take the best chariots and I want you to take all the, best one, all the other ones too. What did he just say, take all the chariots? Like, it's like brain damage or something, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. Yeah, good work. Anyway, understand that when the enemy... Is in a position where you have made a decision to transition into change. He's not going to send three Boy Scouts and a donkey. He's going to send the best of the best of the best. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you've heard from God and you've gone to initiate something in your life and then you get the counter offer? Has anyone ever had the counter offer? 
A few people know what I'm talking about. I remember back in the day, uh, this kind of thing would happen to me. I, I would go to youth camp. Oh, God, I just give you my life. And God, you're just awesome. And I love you, God. And crying and carrying on. And, and then you come home from youth camp. And the girl that you've had a crush on for like four months, who has not even said hello to you for four months, all of a sudden she's like, how are you doing? Like, what the heck? I just made a decision that I was going to go for God, and Captain Distraction over here just decided she was going to pop up. I don't know what the heck's going on there. It's the counter-offer always comes. You make a decision, I'm going to get involved in church. This happened to me the other week. Oh, you know, we're getting more involved with the youth, and we're getting more involved with things there. And I'm like, okay, God, we're going to do this. We're going to launch. It's going to be great, and we're going to get in there and help out and just be part of this. It's going to be awesome. And then I'll get a phone call. Hey, man, we've got a job for you. It's two years in the Northern Territory. Three and a half grand a week. <laughs> Love you, Jesus. You know that the counter offer is coming. Should expect it. There's no way when you make a, a choice to transition into the purpose of God, into the things that He has for you, expect the counter offer. And it's not going to be three Boy Scouts and a donkey. It's going to be the best of the best of the best that's going to come after you. It's going to be something. Uh, it's going to be something that's familiar. It was the Egyptian army. It wasn't another army. It was somebody who they knew of the ruthlessness of these people. So it immediately struck fear into their hearts. And for some of you, when you make a decision that it's time to transition and move in change, it'll be the familiar things, the things that you're familiar with that come back to become obstacles and get in the way and be limitations and bring fear and stop you from stepping out in faith and stop you from pursuing the things of God and stop you from making those hard choices. I want to encourage you, if God's in the change, run with it. Run with it. Don't allow the fear of the past things that you're familiar with to limit you. Don't allow the fear and intimidation of words that have been spoken, voices that have spoken over your life, things that have been said. Don't allow that to stop you from stepping out with boldness in faith. You with me? Oh, this, this is my... Probably my favorite, favorite bit. Could be the naughty in me coming out. I don't know. This is my favorite bit. Understand, have you ever heard it said there's nothing certain in life except death and taxes? I've got another thing. Change. That's certain. It will happen. I, I wasn't always this big. Just naturally, change happens. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. I don't. It doesn't work. I want my hair to stay in my head. It doesn't work either. <laughs> Some people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Represent, man. Just shave it and go with it. Anyway, we're there. Uh, change is certain. It is going to happen. But here's... So point number one is not just about you. Point number two is there will be external opposition. Expect it, wait for it, wait for the counter offer. Point number three, point number three is you don't have control over whether or not change happens. It will happen. It can either happen with, with you on board or it'll just break you in the process and just keep happening. What you have control over is how you leave. How you leave one season and enter into another, you can control that. 
You can make good choices that set you up to leave in a good place so that you arrive in a good place. I'll show you what I mean from the story here. Incredible. Uh, in verse 8, it says, So he chased, chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. Can anybody tell me what a fist raised in defiance looks like? It's pretty much like that. What we actually have here is the Bible telling us that the children of Israel left Egypt while flipping the Egyptians off. <laughs> Literally leaving Egypt. Up yours, mate. What the heck? It's supposed to be a holy book. I don't know what's going on here. With fist raised, you know what? I would much rather leave one season going, come on, and move into the next season than leave one season being dragged by the back of my collar going, no, but I like the old hymns. I would much rather go in with power and authority than be dragged kicking and screaming into something that God has planned for me anyway. It gets better. If we go back to chapter 12, from verse 35, it says, And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably upon the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. They literally went door to door and said, Can I have your stuff? And the Egyptians said, yeah, sure. They took all of their clothes, all of their gold, all of their silver, all of their jewelry, and then flipped them off on the way out the door. So long, thanks for the stuff. That's awesome. Is it just me that thinks that's awesome? I think that's incredible. Picture, if you will, dude walking out of the city in a brand new robe, Wearing jewellery up the wahoo. Just jewellery everywhere. Gold, silver. Yeah, look at me go. I'm blinging it out here. I look like a rapper. I'm walking past a dude going, thanks for the coat, mate. That is unbelievable. I love the Bible for things like that. What a great picture. The whole nation. Grandpas down to little boys. Hey, Fantastic. Just fantastic. Uh, my kids aren't here this morning, thank Jesus. Uh, uh, I think that's brilliant. It's brilliant. You know what's brilliant for us in the parallel? For us in the parallel is this. I don't know what season you've been in, and I don't know how good or bad it's been. I like to think of this as payment. Where the slaves just went and got paid. Yeah, yeah I'm just submitting my timesheets, man. 430 years. You owe me about everything you got. Literally, I'm getting paid now. They thought it was slavery, but it was really just a job. And now I'm getting paid. Understand, for us today, I don't know what season you're in. I don't know how good, bad, or ugly it's been. I don't know how. You might be one of those people sitting there going, move me to the next season. I'm done with this one. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I do know this. Whatever season you've been in, 
you can take every bit of resource that you can accumulate out of that season and move it with you into the next season. Nothing in God is wasted. You get to go door to door and say, you know that hurt that I worked through and how I learned how to resolve that conflict? Yeah, I'm taking that resource with me. You know, you know that pain that I learned to deal with that I got a hold of and God helped me? I'm taking that with me. You know that maturity that God built in my life through that season? Yeah, I'm taking that with me. You know that blessing that God gave me? Of that? Yeah, I'm taking that with me too. And all the stuff that you built in the season is hard as it may have been, you don't get to leave that behind. You get to take that with you. Understand the hard times that you're walking through, God is resourcing you for the next season. He understood that in order to build God a house, they would need some gold and some silver and some jewelry and whatnot. So He literally provided from them, for them from a season of slavery everything they would need for a season of, of freedom to come. He literally said, you're walking into promise, you're going to need this stuff. And I feel like the word of the Lord this morning to you is church. You're walking from a, a season that looks like this into a season of promise and fruitfulness. And God is saying, everything you need for that season, I've been stockpiling and storing up for you in the season that you've been in. Now you get to take all that resource with you and do what you were called and purposed to do in this next season. Oh, come on. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. I, I don't know what your season has looked like. It might have been awesome. Take all the great stuff. Take it with you into the next phase of whatever God is doing. It's supposed to be there to resource you for the promise. Were you awake still? All right, we're going to read on. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Grateful people. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. First little side note there. How quickly we forget. Literally five minutes ago. And understand, at this very moment, they've got a pillar of fire that's guiding them at nighttime and a pillar of cloud. That's, the supernatural is happening around them. It is clear that God, now he hasn't opened up the Red Sea yet, but God is there. It is clear. And yet they're so blinded by their fear, they would rather exchange the comfort and familiarity of slavery. Listen to the statement. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I would rather die knowing what's happening than to take the chance on the what if. Oh, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to die wondering. What if I stepped out in faith? What if I gave God a chance? What if I, I just, just got out of my comfort zone a little bit and just stepped out on the water? What, what would happen? What's the worst that can happen? Or would we rather the familiarity of the chains that we've always worn? You might be in this place this morning. You might be in chains of addiction. You might be chains of different things. There might be stuff that's holding you, bitterness, unforgiveness, broken heart. I don't know. 
But I know this. What if God wants to bring you out? But it's going to require some faith steps on your behalf. Almost to get out of your own way. <laughs> what if? Yeah, but what if? Yeah? The point number four out of this whole thing is wait on God. We're so impatient. We want God to move on our timetable. God's the God of the 11th hour. He always waits till the very last minute. Sometimes he waits beyond the very last minute. Easter. He didn't do it just before he died. Three days. No worries, guys. I posted a thing on Instagram a little while ago. Someone wrote, someone wrote on their Facebook or something, where there's life, there's hope. I felt like God dropped in my spirit. Yeah, what about Easter? There was this one Easter weekend a few years ago where this guy died. He was dead. And then on the third day, in conclusion, there's always hope. When the dream seems dead, when it seems impossible, there's always hope. We need to learn to wait on God. We're so impatient. We want everything yesterday. Uh, I was saying in the earlier service, uh, do you ever read the story, you know, where the disciples were in the boat and the storm came up and Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat? And you put yourself in the story and you think, mate, if I was there, I'd, seriously, I'd get a pillow and I'd lie down next to Jesus. Because that's just how spiritual I am. <laughs> just get myself a pillow. Because my faith is awesome. It's unbelievable. I've got great faith. And plus, I've read the story, so I know what happens. Uh, so, so I'm just going to lie down there and just be godly with Jesus. And he can turn to all the others and say, you have little faith, but you're awesome. <laughs> have you ever read the story of Adam and Eve and thought, Pfft, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> anyway, lying down on the bottom of the boat. The reality is, God is in your boat right now. And you're freaking out. There's wind and there's waves and you're losing your mind. What are you doing, Jesus? What is this season you're taking me through? Why are you changing everything? And he's asleep in the bottom of the boat. Well, if, if he was actually asleep in the bottom of the boat, I'd get my pillow and I'd go lie down with it because I've read that story. But I haven't read the story about the thing that I'm going through in my family or in my workplace or in my whatever. So uh, I don't quite have faith for that. But it's the same Jesus that's in your boat that was in that boat. And sometimes the lesson that we have to learn is just wait. Be patient. Have you ever prayed for patience? It's a really dangerous thing to pray for. Because God doesn't actually give you patience. He more gives you a whole bunch of people who really irritate you. And then you have the option of learning patience or not. And it seems to be quite an elongated process. If you're a parent, those people are called children. And they're God's gift to you because at some point you were stupid enough to pray for patience. Just trying to help you out there. Have some patience. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, children. Wait on God. You can't do anything anyway. So you may as well rest in faith. Say, God, whatever changes you're doing, whatever you're trying to do inside me, where's the pillows at? I'm going to pull myself up a section of the bottom of the boat. I'm just going to lie down. I'm just going to rest. God says, and Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. Just 
stand still and watch. In the middle of change, if it gets hairy and scary, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch what God will do. The King James Version says, and it's one of those, another ones with a bit of unnecessary language in there. It says, the Egyptians that you see today, you will see them again no more forever. No more and forever are the same thing. No more forever. I think he's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point that when we're done, we're done. When I, when I finish something, I finish it properly. I want to encourage you, if you're in the middle of change and it feels like turmoil, get a pillow. <laughs> Lie down. Take a load off. Just, I'll give you permission to relax. Just enjoy. Don't resist the change because the change is coming and it'll break you. But if you can go into it with a strategy of understanding the purpose of change is to take me into God's plan and purpose for my life. The purpose of change is that I would need faith. It would keep me on the edge of needing faith and needing God. And the purpose of change is about the generations. And the purpose of change is about where we're headed. And because I understand all those purposes, I was able to push through the opposition that came. I was able to say no to the counter offer because I understand the purpose. And so I was able to do that. And I was able to withstand the attack of the enemy when it seemed like it was going to be overwhelming. And then because of that, I... I managed to resource myself out of the season and I found all these great things that I get to take with me into my destiny and, and all these great things that I learned in God in this season that, that have equipped me for the future and what He's taking me to. And, and after all that, I was really worn out. So I just lied down. I said, God, you do what you got to do. Speak to the wind and the waves or don't. I'm just going to lie here and rest in you. I'm just going to stand still and watch what God will do. The last point, I'm done. That's my time. Good, not bad. Yeah. I love the fact that the children of Israel walk through and then God closes the sea after them. Almost as if to say, you know what, I know that you're chicken. And in about a week, you're all going to be crying to go back to the leeks and onions. So I'm just going to close the door. Because I don't want you to return to what you came from because this change I'm bringing you. When the door behind you is closed, you've got no option but to keep moving forward. When God is initiating change in your life, when it's faith-driven, when it's purpose-driven, when He's taking you into the purpose and plan that He has for your life, He's going to close that door behind you just to keep you from going back to things that you know you shouldn't go back to because it's in all of us to want to go back to the familiar, to want to go back to where we're coming from. Literally closing the door to say, no, you're not going back there. Just keep moving forward. There's a promise waiting. It's waiting for your generations. I have a plan and you're part of it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 